0: From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we start by processing an opening game loss for the Cavs and another week of Guardians baseball. On the road, we look at the genius of Daniel Snyder and the opening weekend for the rest of the NBA playoffs. Off the field, for the first time, we dive into a single episode of Great TV, spoiler alerts and all, to talk about the surprising events of the third episode of Succession. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, was it 70 one day and then snowing the next where you live? Uh, not yet, but I
1: think it's coming. It was, it was definitely 70 today and snows in the forecast.
2: Pretty much the same, like high 70s, now it's under 50, and I think snow either tomorrow night or Tuesday.
0: We were 70 yesterday, and I have a feeling that before we're done recording tonight, snow will be falling again in Ludington, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love the spring. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we go ahead and get started? We'll stay at home. Start with our first sip of wine and gold playoff edition, recapping the Cavs week. All the joy and excitement of the start of the playoffs disappeared like bench scoring. Cavs lost a close one to the visiting Knicks on Saturday. Cavs almost pulled off a comeback led by Donovan Mitchell, but that effort fell short. Cavs are now down 1-0 in the best-of-seven series. So why don't we start with the statistics. Which one of these was the most frustrating? Rebounds. Cavs out-rebounded 51-38 to in the game. Free throws, Cavs were 15 of 21 from the line. Bench scoring, Cavs bench was outscored 37 to 14. Defense, Cavs held the Knicks to 101 points. Offense, they lost somehow after holding the Knicks to 101 points. So, which of those was the most frustrating stat?
2: I'm going to go with the rebounds, 51-38 you said, right? Seventeen offensive boards for the Knicks led the twenty-three second chance points, and with each one of those offensive rebounds, uh, as the game went on, it became a lot more painful watching it, uh, especially that last sequence. So, uh, uh, to me, like the, the free throw thing's not not that big. The bench scoring we knew would be we knew would be an issue, just not that glaring. Comparative to the Knicks bench, uh, but it's the rebounds. That's that's pretty much. Well, there's a few reasons why they lost the game, but that's that's probably a major one. I agree
1: 100 percent with Chuck, but I'm going to take it another direction just so we can talk about something else. I guess, but he, he's right. Like the the rebound thing was key. The second chance scoring 23 to 12 was the was the Knicks over the Cavs. That's huge. Uh, you lose a game yeah. by four, that makes more more than the difference. So on top of that, and I, and what I'm going to talk about is the bench scoring. I agree with Chuck that the rebound is the key, but the bench scoring is like one B to this one A. We can't get destroyed 37 to 14 off the bench. I don't think our bench is going to compete with theirs, but we got to close that gap. And I don't know where that scoring is coming from, or maybe our defense picks it up and keeps the Knicks from scoring 37 points off the bench. Uh, what? What's his name? Josh Hart. Uh, he was amongst the yeah. scoring yeah. leaders and he came off their bench. So I, I think that is a, another key. You can't lose both. You cannot, you cannot lose the rebounding matchup and the bench scoring matchup and expect to win this series.
0: Hart hit that three-pointer late in the game when he was, like, hobbled with a with a bum ankle. Uh, and I don't think that guy's much of a three-point shooter anyway. And uh, Tammy was in the other room and just heard me yell, Oh, f*** you, as, <laughs> as long as I go to the TV. Like, come on. That was such a back break. It was, was yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, terrible.
0: I, I look at the fact that they were able to hold the Knicks to 101 points, and they still found a way to lose. This team is built to play defense and actually did play pretty good defense to hold a a good offensive team. I think the Knicks are like fourth in the East in offense or something like that. They held them to 101 points, and we couldn't get a win. In the end, it's a combination of everything. It's, you know, if we had shot better from the line, we'd have more points. If our bench had been more productive, we'd have more points. If we had more second-chance opportunities, we'd have more points. But all in all, it's just frustrating that they couldn't put together enough offense to score 102 points in the NBA game. And I didn't do it, but I bet we could look back at the regular season, and I bet we could rattle off three weeks, four weeks, before we find another game where they scored under 100 points. And I get that it's a playoffs, but come on. You got to win a game when you hold another team to 101. Why don't we move on to From the Land coaching corner? What do you think of the decision... To have Jetty Osmond playing the fourth instead of Okoro or Lavert,
1: even though I took the role of Jetty Osmond just a few days ago, I did not like <laughs> it. I did not like it because I I wanted more defense on their guards that were scoring. You know, their their guards were scoring, so I, I Jetty kept matching up against what's his name that just lit us up and Brunson. Brunson. Yeah, Brunson. the dude was yeah. amazing. And and I I don't I'm not saying Jetty's a bad defender. I know he is a decent defender, but I gotta think Lavert. And Okoro's energy on the defensive side of the court would have been better against Brunson late in the game. So that that was questionable to me. I, I don't. I did not like it at all.
2: I wasn't a big fan, but I, I don't know if I kind of understand it. It started early in the game where Okoro got two pretty good looks from a corner three and missed both of them. And I assume the confidence in the shooting, at least from JB's perspective, was, well need somebody out there who's going to score. And Jetty did okay. I don't know how many points he finished with, but I saw him hit a shot or two that were pretty big. He's not a terrible defender, but he's not a Coro. They were daring him early on. It seemed like they just kind of left him alone. And when he clank those two threes and this going be a long night for him uh but, but that didn't mean i didn't expect him to play down the stretch at least for the defensive end so not a fan of it but i guess i kind of understand it if, if jb was looking for some sort of offense which was really it was a weird rotation game in general to see some guys playing the first half not expecting them to play in the first half and then don't play in the second half. Dean LeVert, Wade. D- Dean Wade, Rubio, and, and even like Levert, he was he was miserable shooting. So I can see why he wasn't out there. But overall, it just fe- it felt like felt like a Wednesday game in the middle of the season where JB's is trying to find the right lineup instead of like the first playoff game. So not a huge fan, but I guess I can understand
0: it because Jetty did hit a few shots. I would say it had to be because of the fact that Okoro and Levert were playing so poorly. I mean, Levert looked really uncomfortable the whole game. Just didn't look like he got into the flow of it at all. The shots he was taking were forced. It looked bad, and Okoro looked bad, too. And I kind of agree with what you guys are saying, that nobody loves the idea of Jetty being out there for defensive reasons at the end of the game, but you needed some more scoring from somewhere. And maybe by the end of the first half, JB just looked around and said, I, I can't count on Okoro or Lavert tonight. I got to get somebody else out there. And who else was it going to be? You weren't putting Dean Wade out there again. He looked bad in the first half. And it's just really, this is where the glaring deficiencies in our bench become the clearest. You know, it's a game like this where the bench isn't really playing well, and you've got to find a way to get some production out of there, and they just couldn't do it. All right, enough. What is the silver lining in this loss? for the Cavs oh man
2: I guess watching it seeing the Knicks go on runs where they were getting up by double digit points or bigger leads and the Cavs continued to close that gap I should say Donovan Mitchell continued to close that gap um I'm not sure I haven't really seen a Cavs team this dependent on one player in the playoffs since what 2018 so at least we're <laughs> kind of used to it uh but at times he looks. What super, was that
0: guy's name? Yeah,
2: I mean, he he looks super dominant, uh, as I expected him to look. But the rest of this, I mean, Garland too. Like, how do you not take a shot? In the, it was such a such a weird game.
0: Just a weird game, right? It's just I agree weird with you weird game. So, so
2: maybe that's the silver lining is that they were able to close the gap. And they, I mean, I think their their shooting percentage, their higher three point percentage, higher shooting percentage, still lost the game, but it still felt abysmal. Like it just didn't feel like there was any flow to that game. And that might be like, I know we talk of this pretty early on, maybe in the first quarter of the season that we thought this team might be a little soft. It looked like they were bullied a little bit sometimes by Nick players. So silver lining is they closed the gap three times, I think in the, in the second half and still should have won the game, but just couldn't overcome it. I think the
1: silver lining here is that we saw, we saw what the Cavs need to do on defense. Uh, I mean, they, they played playoff defense. They, they, Created turnovers and crunch time. They went on a 9-0 run in that fourth quarter when it mattered with nothing but turnovers and stifling defense. So we saw that. That was a, That's a silver lining for sure. And then beyond that, to Chuck's point, we were in the game. We were right there, right to the end. We were in the game without Evan Mobley scoring more than eight points and without Karis LeVert scoring more than three points. So I think you get a little bit more offense out of guys that have been giving you offense all season, and you just keep playing that kind of defense, and you'll be all right.
0: I guess the way I see it is that maybe this was the game where the the Knicks were at their best and the Cavs just weren't. All right, the Knicks are playing great. Like Brunson never missed. Julius Randle never missed. You know, these those guys were hitting everything and I don't think that's sustainable. So I guess my view of it is is that like if the Knicks come back down to earth a little bit and the Cavs just get a little bit more production from a guy like Evan Mobley who had a ton of good looks, but just couldn't make a layup. And that the score is completely different. It's one game. This is why we play seven. I'm not that worried yet, but I sure wish it had started differently in this series. Next up Cavs host game two on Tuesday night in the land. Then they're on to New York for games three and four Friday and Sunday. Goes without saying that they need to win on Tuesday. How important is it that they pull out a win in either games three or four in New York?
1: It's a Burke seven out of five. Um, <laughs> they got to they got to go. Uh, they got to go two and one this week. Uh, there's three games in this week. They got to go two and one anyway. Which way it shakes out? I mean, I get it. Mathematically, they don't have to, but really, <laughs> they have to go two and
2: one to sit at two and two after the first four games. It's huge. They win at home. They go there. It'd be nice to win that first game in Madison Square Garden. That's a tough place to play any day of the week, but more importantly in the playoffs. If you do that, you you flip it again, uh, where the Knicks kind of kind of flipped the, the home court thing here uh, yesterday. So it, it, it's a monster deal. Mathematically, I'm not good at math, but I understand that. <laughs> like, win at home and then take that first game. Uh, and kind of just dash their hope a little bit, and, and anything happens on is that the the, the fourth game Sunday is that one yeah. of God? There's so many days between these games. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah. Grief. The the last thing you want when the series goes to one one one, having to go win a game six in New York to stay alive, you you don't want that. So you got to get either game three or game four, and, and then make sure you come home and 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 keep winning your home games in order to end this series. But, you know, we all said in the preview episode, this is going six or seven. So it was bound to happen that they were going to lose one of these games at home. They got to be able to go get one on the road. So hopefully we're leaving this on a little bit more of a positive note than we started. Go Cavs. Why don't we move on to some baseball? We'll do our Guardians week cap, our look back at the last week of Guardians baseball. And even Steven is back in the house. Guards met expectations, or at least our expectations, with a 500-week. They lost two games to the Yanks. It was almost better. They won two games in D.C. over the Nationals. It was almost better. Guards finished the week 9-7, and a game back in the Central. What is your week cap? It
2: seems like there's there's a little bit of a blueprint happening here with the starting pitching that's they're going to give up a, a few runs in the in the early innings and then kind of settle in and then hand it over to the bullpen. And some days the bullpen's going to be real good. Uh, and some days the bullpen's gonna be bunk. At least that's what it feels like. <laughs> uh, and, and you're starting to see as early as it is in the season, losing those starting pitchers that I, I don't know how much faith I especially Phil's man crush. He didn't have he didn't have a good week again. <laughs> uh so Again, like in a position to win a lot of these, except the one blowout right against the Yankees, it's starting to catch up. It's weird. The week three, I'm saying it's starting to injuries are starting to catch up with this team already. Um, so, so that's my week cap. Like they're going to give a few runs early. Most of those starters settle in and then it's either really good bullpen or okay bullpen or shit bullpen.
1: I'm going to take a positive look at it and a negative look at it. I'll start with the negative. I guess we continue to leave base runners on base in situations where a hit might win you the game yeah the, the blow aside that was the one blow out of the week right like that 11 to 2 loss to New York that game was that game was decided three innings in the the second loss to New York we had bases loaded in the ninth inning and all we needed was a base hit to tie it maybe even take maybe even win it you know at the end it was there were two outs so you think a base hit would probably win it in that situation and we had the right guys up too so that that's frustrating that has continued we leave a lot of guys on base. So that that kind of – you felt that this week. You felt it a little bit again in Washington. You came from behind in the first two games, and that was great to see because these these guys, like last year, they're never out of any game. They keep it close. The pitching keeps it close, and the guys can put runs on the board. I mean, it's nothing but doubles. It's, they don't hit home runs hardly, but it's nothing but doubles, and they're scoring runs. And they almost did it again to sweep the, the Nationals today. I mean, they were down early, and they came back, and then they gave it up late. But – from a positive perspective, the recap, I think uh, I look at we continue to hit and finally hit from the middle of the lineup, at least in Washington. A guy named Josh Bell started hitting. That was nice to see. We started seeing uh, doubles and and home runs a little bit out of our power hitters. And we continue to lead all of Major League Baseball on stolen bases. So they they this team can run, and if their hitting turns around, all right, we're We're good. So it was a weird week. It was 500. Even, Stephen, like you said, some good, some bad. But at the end of the day, we're right where we should be right now.
0: I, I look at the week, and I think it's it really was about the starting pitching, just the need to have those young guys pitch in games that they're probably not ready for. Hunter Gaddis against the Yankees is not going to be a good matchup for us. Uh, they started that Brisbane kid uh, against the Yankees, too, and he did just fine, but he could only give you like four innings before he starts to come apart. This, ge- this week could have been a lot different and a lot better if we had some of the guys that we expected to have on the mound, I think. Even Steven Weeks still, man, hey, like when you're suffering through some of these injuries to be able to go out and put together a 500-week, especially when you play a series against the Yankees, not much to complain about there. Do we have a Will Brennan controversy? Will Brennan is hitting 286. He can play every position in the outfield pretty well. And last season's hero, Oscar Gonzalez, is having a slow start and only hitting 132.
1: I don't think it's a controversy. I think Will Brennan's your starting right fielder right now. Um, that said, I think they go to Detroit next, and they, they're going to throw some lefties at us. So Oscar Gonzalez will probably get some some playing time there. Uh, and hopefully he takes advantage of it, because it would be a nice problem to have, to have two right fielders that are hitting the ball. But right now, Will Brennan is winning that battle by far. I mean, he's, he's hitting for average. He's lengthening that lineup, as I like to
2: say. It's a good problem to have that, you know, if Gonzalez has a, a good series in Detroit and hopefully everybody does but who's hitting. But I like the fact that last year this happened with so many guys and you think that wells dry, but oh, maybe one or two guys can do can do that, not six or seven like last year. And if it if it's running great. Um, I think you have to play who's hitting because not a whole lot of these guys are, are are hitting the cover off the ball. If I'm if I'm Terry Francona. You have to start who's who gives you the best chance to win. So if to me right now, it's, it's that dude.
0: It's crazy that we have this problem when last year at this time of the season, we couldn't name three outfielders <laughs> that we felt confident starting. <laughs> uh, and now we have a problem where there's just not enough at-bats to go around. And Brennan is, like I said, he's hitting 286 and I've watched enough games that he's played in so far this season to count at least three or four times where he hit lasers for outs. So it just tells me this every time he's up, he's hitting the ball hard and you can't say the same for Gonzalez. So it's, it's tough, man. We all love what Gonzalez did for this team last year, but Brennan is the more solid player right now in that outfield. And we need that bat in the lineup too. So, I don't know if that makes it a controversy or not. I guess we never answered that question, but go Will (laughs) Brennan and good luck Tito trying to figure out how to get at bats for all these guys too. Let's move on to our MVG, our most valuable guard of the week. I'll give you my list. Feel free to add somebody. If you want James Karinchek, out of the bullpen, electric strikeout in a win over the Yankees early in the week, pitched four innings this week, gave up no runs, had eight strikeouts. Josh bell scorching 348 this week he's got his batting average up almost to 200 for the season came alive against the nationals this weekend he had five doubles a home run and four rbis (laughs) next one jose ramirez hit 280 this week his first home run of the season was on saturday put that game away on the week he had six hits four rbis and four walks last one shane bieber one and oh but since the win was over the Yankees, it should count as three. <laughs> Didn't have his best stuff today against the Nationals, but was more than good enough to win that game, which they did not. Who's your MVG for the week?
1: I'm going to give it to Karen check I, I was leaning towards Josh Bell, but he did all of his statistical uh, uh, winning in, in three games of the weekend. So I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to remove the, the Yankees series from this, this side. I, You know, good for Josh Bell. Maybe we're on that three-week streak now, right? The hot streak's coming? Yeah. Karen This is a guy that I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I rarely have a lot of confidence in, and I don't know what that's about. Like he just, I feel like he's teetering all the time and, and it's too easy to get in between his ears, so to speak. And the pitch clock is not helping this dude and all this stuff. And he's like, Oh, he's just, but he's this ball of energy. He had a great week. I mean, he gave up three hits. Like you said, eight K's in four innings. If, if he pitches like that, our eighth innings decided, man, that's your setup guy going forward. And that's exactly what we needed him to be last year. And he was hurt. So if he can get back into that and and, and to piggyback that you didn't mention him, but classe had a great week too, where Karen check was setting him up and Klasse got three saves out of three save opportunities. Good week for the back end of the bullpen.
2: I like how we work off each other. Like I was probably going to say Karen check, cause his stuff was nasty and it's nice to see that first game struggle. And now his stuff is just filthy i like how emotional he is it's weird if it was another if we were watching them play another pitcher and that guy was, what an asshole that guy is uh <laughs> but i like him uh so i think i'm gonna go with, with the big man uh i don't care that it happened against uh not not against the yankees what i care about is i watched a lot of the game like man his swing is really ugly i didn't realize like that
0: it seems like half the time he's just half swinging <laughs> Uh, and it kind but, of stands like straight yeah, up, yes, right? It's the it's, it's so really, weirdest
1: looking it's, thing. He yeah, like half pretty. swings it off the wall.
0: Yeah, like, right. Like yeah.
1: Take a full swing, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: But to to go from like 0. .86 or whatever it was, I think, last week at this time to 200, big guy, get hot, keep it rolling. We need you desperately. So I'll give it to him.
0: I'm on Josh Bell, too. We, we needed that guy to do something, and he really, really started to heat up this weekend. And all of those hits helped get this team runs this weekend and they needed them to win those games. And again, like I said, they should have won today too. It's kind of a weird finish for today's game with the review and stuff like that. But I thought Josh Bell really showed what he can do for that lineup. If he's starting to hit well. So he gets my MVG next week. Guards start the week Monday after a short bus ride to Michigan with three games against the Detroit Tigers. They come home for a weekend series against the Marlins. Are the guards sweeping the Tigers or the Marlins or both or neither? It'd be great, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say neither. I
2: think it, it gets pretty close. Maybe they lose one or two games, which would be a great week. I don't care who they're playing. So uh they're not sweeping anybody this week.
1: The Guardians do not sweep teams in April. <laughs> so uh no, I don't think they're gonna sweep either one, but I do feel like it's a four and two week.
0: Non-believers. <laughs> I'm taking a sweep over the tigers. Uh, Not over the Marlins. Marlins actually have a winning record right now. So maybe the Marlins are playing pretty good baseball. Who knows? Got no idea who's on that team. We're actually going to talk about the Marlins some more in a little bit. But now we are going to take our first break of the night. We are going to come back. We're going to head out on the road, talk billions of dollars, and then talk some NBA playoffs. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road. And we'll start in the NFL, where it was announced this week that the Washington Commanders are being sold for $6 billion. If you are interested, here are some other things you can get for $6 billion. (laughs) Let me know which one of these sounds the best to you. Remember when we talked about buying islands? Yeah. In Fiji, there are a group of islands called the Vituvara Private Islands. You can buy those for 155 million bucks, which means you could buy 36 groups of islands <laughs> in Fiji for $6 billion. <laughs> Remember when we talked about the Savannah Bananas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That team is estimated to be worth $12 million, which I think is awfully high. So if they're worth 12 million bucks, you can buy 498 Savannah Bananas franchises <laughs> with your 6000000000 billion. Let's move on to something a little bit bigger. Are you interested in purchasing the Marlins, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Kansas City Royals, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Arizona Diamondbacks? All five for under $6 billion. (laughs) You can own like a third of the league. Maybe you've got some different interests in how you want to spend your money. You can buy Dillard's. Their market cap is about $5 billion. If you wanted to, you could buy the Zurich Airport. Its market cap is about (laughs) $5.5 billion. Or mcdonald's japan again right around six billion for purchasing all the mcdonald's in japan so chuck which one of those sounds like the best way to spend six billion dollars
2: can i include the commanders or do i have to pick one of the ones that you laid out
0: no you could also buy the commanders
2: i would buy the commanders (laughs) (laughs) islands are great and airports are fun i guess owning a third almost a third of major league baseball would be nice uh, but if there's one thing that you know you're going to get a return on your investment, it's an NFL franchise. If it's worth $6 billion now, what's it worth 20 years from now? Uh, I would rather have that dumpster fire, I think, than any of the great options you put forth.
1: As much as I'd like to own a bunch of islands, because I feel like I, I could wage a land war against anyone. Like You're all screwed as long as my <laughs> Navy is good. but. <laughs>
0: um I I think uh you're an idiot that's a terrible <laughs> strategy yeah no I'm not buying islands that's what you're I'm gonna saying. spend going most it. of your money on the islands you're not gonna have yeah. money for a military
1: don't do it <laughs> yeah I'm not doing it I'm moving away from that I'm going with McDonald's in Japan that's that's my choice all right because I, I I think Chuck made the wisest decision but I gotta think a close second is a franchise like McDonald's in a country like Japan that'll be making money for generations right like that's not going anywhere That's
0: my choice. It's a really hard decision. I thought a lot about going with Dillard's because it'd be nice to have some clothes, um, but malls are dying. Yeah. I also have a great story about a buddy of mine when we were much, much younger than we are now, who tried to use a Dillard's card to pay a stripper in Vegas. Um, it did not work. <laughs> he may have had to borrow money to get home that night. He was trying um, to buy her
1: an outfit. What was
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Want some pantsuit? Uh, but I'm I'm going with buying five Major League Baseball teams all at once so that I can start funneling all those young players to the Guardians until they make a rule against me doing that. So I'm going with five Major League Baseball teams. Five is more than one. I want five over one NFL team. The last NFL team that was sold was in 2014. So it's been nine years since a team was sold the Buffalo Bills for $1.1 mm-hmm. which means that the value of an NFL team rose like five times in nine years. What is the ceiling for the value on these teams? As an example, if the three of us wanted to get together to buy the Cowboys, what number should we be willing to pay to make that purchase?
1: The numbers are ridiculous, right? Like I'm thinking 10 bill, 10 bill, $10 billion to buy the Dallas Cowboys. That sounds absurd. There's no way their, their value is 10 bill right now, but to to get a seat at the table, I think that's what we have to come with.
2: And 10 billions pretty right on or conservative. You're talking about America's team here, uh, <laughs> not the commanders. Um <laughs> what should be America's team really, right? Right, yeah, you would yeah. think. I think 10 10 might be a steal for the Cowboys. It might be 11 or 12 because when you talk sporting franchises and probably recognition Yankees, Cowboys and and who else? lakers maybe you know what I mean? like if you're yep. looking at yep. sports league, shit i'll go 12 i'm outbidding phil here i'm going 12. oh wow well
1: we're we're in it together all right oh, i gotta come with yeah, another two yeah, I, gotta, yeah. I gotta call jerry <laughs> i gotta call all these guys i don't know what's going on
0: <laughs> i was gonna say something between eight and ten but i guess 12 isn't absurd i mean this, this is the thing there's only 32 of these and if you're a guy who has that money and it's Funny money to you because you've made billions doing something else i mean you want to buy in it's the ego play as much as it is what you're actually going to make from the team and there's just so much around the teams that you can make now and so it's just it's nuts but maybe it is double digit billions for an nfl team dan snyder on the other hand paid only 800 million for the redskins in 1999 so 24 years later he's gone from 800 million to 6 billion during his time owning the team. They were 164 and 220. They were two and six in the playoffs are the commanders, the Kruger industrial smoothing of the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Yes, sure. That's
2: like, that's insane. 800 million to 6 billion for I wonder if we we'll have this conversation in like ten to fifteen years about the Haslam's uh, and how much they're cash out. But now they're just buying. The, they got approved for the bucks. Do you see? Yeah. They got approved this weekend. Yeah. Them. Anywho. Yeah. yeah you're right, Gary. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. This that's crazy, right? Like, I actually I read an article today where other owners were pissed that he only sold it for six billion. They were pissed. Uh. Like what? Like come on, man. It's it's one of those things like I'm the Haslam should just turn around and sell tomorrow. But, I mean, what what could the Browns get seven bill for a team yep. that yeah is just as awesome as the Commanders over the same <laughs> same maybe less awesome? I don't know.
0: What this tells me is that the laws of capitalism do not apply to NFL franchises because they suck. They suck on the field and they've had all sorts of shit off the field too. And they're still worth $6 billion. And I don't care if some of the other owners are pissed about it. It's still $6 billion billion going into his pocket. You know, that's absolutely nuts. All right. Well, moving on from the fun stuff to more fun stuff. Why don't we talk some NBA playoffs? What was the most satisfying loss of this weekend? Atlanta getting boat raced by the Celtics or the Golden State Warriors missing two threes in the final minute of the game to lose to the Kings? Chuck, I'm going to let you take that. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> your calling
2: card for decade has been your three-point shooting, and Clay Tom has, has a wonderful season, actually. Like, good for that guy. I'm glad he's healthy and he's hitting a ton of threes, but it's a real shame uh, that you missed two uh, to my upstart king, my favorite Western Conference team for this playoff run.
1: That's a hard call. I you hate to see both of those things happen. You really do. I I hate I I hate the Hawks for reasons. I don't I don't even know if I understand. It's just they they piss me off as a Cavs fan. They've always have. Um, so you hate to see them go down like that, just get destroyed, like they don't even belong in the series. But given the Cleveland Cavaliers history with the Golden State Warriors and a team that still trots out most of the players that played against the Cavaliers in those series minus one Kevin Durant you hate to see that the three point shot just doesn't go down you hate to see it I'd love to see Chuck's Kings win this first series
0: when Atlanta got creamed by the Celtics I thought they were a lock for this question Uh, but then I saw the highlights this morning of the Warriors missing two threes in the last minute and I knew it had to be them sorry Warriors really hate to see that happen yeah light the beam what was the most disappointing team of the first weekend? Cavs losing to the Knicks, Memphis losing to the Lakers, Bucks losing to the Heat, or the Suns who might be about to lose to the Clippers at home.
1: I'm going to go with the Bucks, man. That it's a long series, right? But they are playing on their home court, and from what I saw, I. I picked up that game maybe midway through the third quarter and they were down double digits most of the second half. So I'm, I'm going to give it to the Bucs. This is a team that you're a one versus eight. That's a, that's a sweep ready to happen, but not against, not against Kevin loves Miami heat. That is not happening.
2: <laughs> and
1: <laughs> I saw him get a rebound today. It looked, it looked good. It looked could good built us yesterday. Yeah, he maybe. really could have. So um, I'm going to give it to the Bucs because I think all the other things you mentioned, you know, you expect the Cavs next series to be close. Same thing with the 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 uh, Suns Clippers series. You know, these four or five series, you expect them to go six, seven games. So the Bucs, they should win in four or five and not off to a good
0: start. So what I heard was Phil say the Bucks are secretly shitty. <laughs> they
2: looked really shitty today. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. Usually for questions like this, you will disallow a – Locally loved team for us, but he didn't. To me, the most disappointing loss is, is that Cavs game just because I watched it and was emotionally invested like I have been all year and, and to see how everything we thought would go wrong. That's exactly what kind of happened. So that's my most disappointing loss. I don't like a lot of the teams that you're listing there. So I, I could care less who wins or loses, but I really <laughs> care uh, if the Cavs win or lose.
0: I'm going with Memphis losing to the Lakers at home. You're the two seed. The Lakers are this weird team that you know lost like their first eight games of the year or something like that. And I know everybody's back now, but still, it's a strange team. It's built weird. You never know what you're getting from LeBron and AD. And even though we're going to get to it in a sec, even though Ja gets hurt in that game, by the time he gets hurt, that that one is decided. The Lakers had won that. They won that game by like twelve or something like that in your building come on memphis that's really disappointing all right most important injury of the first weekend like i said john morant went out with a hand injury late in the loss of the lakers Giannis left the game early with the heat with a back injury and by the time we started recording tonight i couldn't find any information about whether he was expected to be out for any games but it looks like Ja may miss at least one maybe more with that injury so which one of those injuries is the biggest injury of the weekend? I think you can keep going down the list. There are a few more, and it's like a
2: all-NBA team that got hurt in uh, either in Game 1 or before Game 1. I'm going to say Giannis only because a lot of people believe that he's the best basketball player on the planet, not knowing how long he's going to be out, and to see them get beat up by the Heats, who's uh, always a tough matchup. I like to say that all the time. Uh, but Giannis <laughs> is, is considerably the best player on the planet. Uh, if he's out, that could be a problem. That's the biggest loss.
1: I think it's definitely Giannis. I, that's an 8-1 matchup where all of a sudden, without Giannis on the court, the Heat have a chance for sure. I mean, clearly, the Heat's a good team. They've got good players. Giannis is the difference maker in that series. And if he misses a game or two, that could go sideways for a one versus eight. Whereas in the other series, I mean, Jaw's important, but man, LeBron's Lakers, If there's a two, if there's a seven upsetting a two, that's it right there. It's LeBron James. Um, So I'm going to go with Giannis's injury being more important right now.
0: Agree with you guys 100%. Uh, I think it's Giannis, in part because I think Memphis over the last couple years has proven they can win without you. And so you don't want to lose him. I mean, he is a dynamic guy. He's your leader. He's your stud. But they've won games without him. I don't know that it's necessarily in this first round the death blow to Memphis winning that series. Whereas I I do think Giannis not being out there for the Bucs is going to make it really hard for them to beat the Heat. Why don't we move on and just talk about the the series as a whole. Eastern Conference first round, Bucks versus the Heat. Who's winning that series?
1: I'll take the Giannis injury out of it. Let's say he plays. I, It, it goes to the Bucs. I, I, it, it might be longer than what they expected, but I, that Bucs team is so deep, man. They're, they're a good team.
2: They might be able to scratch out this series even with Giannis sitting a couple games it's the longest running joke on this podcast that the bucks are secretly shitty uh but i don't think they are whether he's he's playing or he's banged up or not so i still think that the bucks
0: find a way to win this series false burke basement jokes longest running jokes (laughs) on the show (laughs) how about the celtics versus the hawks
2: Oh, the Celtics. They have been my side piece since we started, and it looked like uh, they're ready to roll up a team that none of us like that much. So Celtics. Celtics in four.
0: It's over. (laughs) 76ers versus the Nets.
1: I think the Nets get one game here, but 76ers in five.
0: Sixers, probably in five. And so my question at the end of all that was, are any of these series going to be close, provided they stay healthy? The Bucks and Celtics and 76ers are walking through these series, right? Yeah. Yes. So Western Conference, a little bit different story. Who wins? Uh, Denver Nuggets versus Team Chemistry, the Timberwolves. Chuck?
2: <laughs> Nuggets. Nuggets.
0: Memphis versus the Lakers.
2: Lakers. It's showtime, baby. Lakers.
0: Kings versus the Warriors, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs>
2: the Warriors. No, the Kings. In four. Hopefully in oh. three if it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say the Kings, but in six.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Last one Suns versus Clippers. Looks like Clippers are taking game one.
2: I still think the Suns find a way to win. They're they're, they're really good. Yeah, I gotta go
1: Suns. This this is an interesting first game, but the Suns, they're really good, man. They're winning the series. Maybe it goes six, though.
0: After all that, my final question. Are all of these going at least six games? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah.
0: I think that's wild that we've got the, we've got three of the four series in the East look like they're going to be a cakewalk, and not a single one in the West does. Because I just don't think any of these Western teams are as good as the Bucks, the Celtics, and the 76ers. At any given moment, I think those teams could all be considered the best team in the East. And in the West, it's it's pretty much wide open. M- maybe that Nuggets-Timberwolves series is the one that becomes a wash. Maybe the Nuggets just run over that team. But other than that, man, I think all these are going to be tough games. All right, fellas, let's move on. Let's close out this segment, and let's play a little Beat the Bet stamp. In the East, of the top four teams, who do you think has the best odds of winning the East? Hmm.
2: I'm going to say the Celtics.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say the Celtics too. Close, but no, it's still the Bucks. Mm, all right. Odds on bet stamp for the Bucs range from plus 110 up to plus 160. But those numbers all changed after Giannis got hurt today. Like it's already being cooked in to, to what may happen in that series. What do you think the range is for the Celtics?
2: Um... Plus 220? So the Bucs were
1: at plus 160? Yep. Yeah, uh,
0: Celtics plus 240. Celtics plus 130 at the low end on Stamp, 150 at the high end, and those numbers moved after the Giannis injury too. So it's it's really, really close, I think, across the board in Vegas on whether it's the Bucs or the Celtics. Who do you think has the better odds to win the East, the Cavs or the Knicks? Cavs. The Knicks. Chuck's right. It's the Knicks. Plus 1,600 to plus 2,500 on FanDuel. The Cavs' best odds, their low end uh, on BetStamp, plus 2,500 to plus 3,000. You can get that one at BetMGM. So it's not that bad, but um, that one game, man, flip that around a little bit. Heading out west. Let's not talk about the top four. Let's talk about the bottom four. Five, six, seven, and eight. Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, and Wolves. Who do you think has the best odds of winning the West?
1: Jeez. So Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, Wolves. I'm going to say Warriors. You're probably right,
0: but I'm going to say Lakers. It's Golden State. Plus yeah. 450 to win the West Lakers are the next one though, plus six hundred all the way up to plus six fifty on DraftKings, according to Betstamp, which means Golden State and the Lakers both have better odds to win the West than Memphis or Sacramento, <laughs> who are wow. ranked in the top four. Wow, <laughs> fellas, don't shoot air balls with your bets. Hit every shot with Betstamp. <laughs> Just kidding. You won't be able to do that. <laughs> but BetStamp is the premier spot to shop all the lines and odds available to make sure you get an edge. Get the best numbers, get the best odds, get the best with Stamp. With that, fellas, we're going to close out this segment. We're going to take our final break. We're going to head off the field, and we're going to talk some succession. Welcome back, fellas. We are going to head off the field, and tonight, We are going to do something we've never done. We have previewed TV shows that we really like. We have done full season recaps of shows that we really like, but we've never picked a single mid season episode of a show to discuss for an entire segment. I'm also always concerned about talking about these HBO shows that come out on Sunday nights because they come out as we're recording which means the first time we get to talk about them, it's already a week in, in the rearview mirror. And I feel like you know it's already been talked out and written out and interneted out and social media out by the time we get to it. But last week, HBO forced us to put aside all of these concerns by putting out another awesome and entirely unexpected episode of Succession. Tonight, we are going to break down episode three of Succession. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) If you have not seen the third episode, stop listening right now. If you're thinking about picking up the series from the first episode of season one, stop listening right now. I'll give you a minute. (laughs) Now, a special off the field segment from the land, Coffin Corner, the death of Logan Roy. (laughs) Logan Roy, the patriarch of the Roy family and the founder of Waystar Royco in the show Succession, dies on a flight that he is on to Sweden that he has taken rather than attending his oldest son's wedding. The Roy kids find out on a call from Tom Wamsgans, uh, who is on the flight with Logan. What do you think of the choice to essentially have Logan die off camera?
1: I love it. I didn't see this coming two thirds of this current podcast who thought Logan was back was the theme of the previous (laughs) weeks. Yeah. Whoops. Um, I I love it. This is TV at its best. I don't need to see it all. I need to feel it. I need to, I need to understand the weight of this off camera is great. I think it's, I think that's a better way to do this. To be honest,
2: we're talking strictly about that. Not all that encompasses that. I spent probably 25 minutes watching it going, I I don't know if he's, if he's (laughs) dead, he's not dead. (laughs) Like, this is just some weird test. Like, you know, like he's just doing this to get, to see how his children and everybody around him outside of who was there react. That was my first thoughts. So I was, I was okay with it uh, because it became not that it became less about it, but it but it did when you started to see how everybody was reacting and how people were positioning themselves but i I was good with it, but I was I was leery of it for about 20 minutes of that episode, not
0: believing that this has really happened. You were totally in the Roman camp. yep he he, he held on to that idea for 45 minutes of that episode, man, yeah. when it was very clear that that wasn't the case anymore. I think this is real ballsy, man if he's not the main character, he is your central guy. He is the one that all of the other characters circle for three seasons of this show and to take him out without showing it is not something you see in TV and movies very often. Uh, There's no final moment with his kids. There's no final comeuppance. There's no opportunity for him to kind of save himself or redeem himself. He's just gone. And you don't see it. And I think it really adds to the overall shock of the episode. I think it's wild that they did it. it. It made, again, some really great TV. So the kids find out over the phone. They're together at Connor's wedding. Most heartbreaking line from one of the kids. First one, Kendall, when he's talking to Logan, who's probably dead at this point. But uh, he says... I can't forgive you and it's okay. The next one, Shiv talking to Tom when she finds out and she asks if Logan is actually dead and he tells her he doesn't know. And she responds, are you just being nice to me? Next one. When Connor finds out the very first thing he says is he never even liked me. Last one, Roman after the dust has settled a little bit. uh, He says, did I say I loved him? I don't think I did. He's, I think correctly remembering that in his last words to his dad, uh, he forgot to tell him that he loved him or maybe he didn't forget. I don't know which one of those is the most heartbreaking line of this episode.
2: I'm going to go probably in a direction nobody else will. I think it's it's Connor because he's not involved directly like the other children are like he has a, a, a different set of issues with his father than they do. Uh, he was never involved in the business. And like with all that money, did anybody find it weird he was married basically getting on like the good time to in Cleveland? Like <laughs> in this weird boat, Dad's not even going to show up. He's not even telling me he's not going to show up. But for him to say he never even liked me, like the, he has been quietly the MVP of the early season that this is becoming. And he'll probably fall by the wayside a little bit more. But to me, that, that was heartbreaking because – he, he wasn't even involved, you know, and maybe that's why his dad didn't like him because he wasn't even involved in the yeah. game that, that he was playing with the other kids.
1: Uh, they're all really heartbreaking, but I'm not going to danko this. I'm going to go with Kendall. The, the forgiveness thing with if you go all the way back to the beginning, Kendall was the next guy, right? He was the heir apparent and or at least he thought he was. And it didn't go that way. And it went completely the other way where he was just out to to destroy his dad. It was heartbreaking in that moment because he was brutally honest like this. He he might he might have been talking to a a corpse at that point. He didn't know. And he basically said that he loves him. He thought he was a good dad, which is bullshit. But okay, Kendall, everyone said that, but he couldn't forgive him. He was brutally honest in that moment. And that 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 weighed that weighed heavy on me. I mean, they all were heartbreaking. They were. But that one was the most.
0: I'm with Chuck. It's Connor to see him and it was such a great like moment for i don't know the name of the actor he's the guy from Ferris Bueller but he he did it so well like it's it's his immediate reaction uh he never even liked me and then he immediately he tries to start like backtracking from that but you know like what he really felt was what he said in the moment that was rough man i can't imagine saying that about my father you know he he never even liked me ouch there is that scene where all the kids have their chance over the phone to to talk to Logan as he's dying, or they don't know yet if he's dead. How do you think they handle the complexity of the kids love and dislike at the same time for their dad? Brilliantly.
2: And it's more of a Testament to those actors because there was a lot of room there for them to breathe. There wasn't a ton of dialogue. And when there was, It was super impactful, just layers and layers of emotion in each of their reactions and all for different reasons. Like Shiv became like a baby girl again. He called him, he said, daddy, which he never once said during the show, Roman's the baby. And he kind of acted like that a, a little bit like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to deal with this. Uh, and, and Kendall tried to control the situation a little bit more than the other two, which, which is right online with his character. And has, it's been the whole time that he wants to be in control of all of it. Uh, but, but at the end of it, it was, they were so brilliant without saying anything. Uh, I can't imagine like there's, there's acting and there's great acting and there's beyond great acting. And most of them did that, uh, in that scene where they were kind of alone in the room or they had the phone. Uh, I've never seen anything like that on television or in a movie where it was sustained. Uh, and that's what it was for about 15 minutes that it was just gut-wrenching and relieving. You can, like, you could see relief, especially at the end of the episode, if nobody caught that, I did, but, but overall, like if all three of them are nominated for Emmys, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, and any of them could win just for that episode.
1: That scene was so amazing. Like they captured the humanity of it. I, I, I forgot that these were actors. Like the they, they were, they were reacting the way, any of us would react. Like they were they were losing their shit and trying to stay composed and they didn't understand what was happening. And you're and you're getting this information, you think about it, like it's a product of we can get this information in real time because they're on a flight. Right. They're on a flight and phones work. Whereas in the past, you would get this information a day later. <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. So how do you react like while this is happening? It was be it television, be it a movie I've seen or whatever, it was 15 minutes of what I was watching. And this was the first watch and the second watch for me. I don't think I took a breath. Like it was amazing. Like they did such a good job of really portraying that chaos that you must be going through internally, mentally, emotionally, all that stuff. uh, While you're just being given this information over the phone while it's happening, probably 15 to 20 minutes, the best television I've ever seen.
0: I like the fact that they didn't shy away from it. You know, that, that, that moment where Roman is saying to him, you're a good dad, you did a good job. And he's like, well, I can't do it. And he throws the phone away and he like, he can't bring himself to say that he did a good job as his dad. You know, like they all come to this place where they say, I love you, but. And I think that is, again, that's kind of part of how this happens and how it happens. So suddenly that there isn't like, a long, slow decline where they get to kind of let some of these feelings go. They've got to deal with it in the moment, and they've got to say both, I love you and you're still a son of a bitch. You were an asshole, and I'm not over it. And like poor Roman's, you know, like a pretty fresh wound because he's just had to deal with the whole thing with Jerry at the beginning of the episode, and he seems to be the only one really bothered by the fact that uh, Logan wasn't coming to the wedding. Um, the other two, I don't think care, but I think it really bothered Roman that he wasn't coming. It's a cool scene. And I agree with you, Chuck, like the, the, um, the odds of those guys all getting nominated for an Emmy for that scene alone, I think is actually pretty high because that's probably the biggest scene of television we're going to get in the next year. You know, pretty tough to top that one, but there might be dragons later in the year. I don't know. (laughs) It takes a lot of work
2: (laughs) to draw those dragons.
0: dragons. All right. Scale of one to five. One being putting on the freshman by the verve pipe at the end of a date. <laughs> five being putting on Mr. Wendell at the end of the date. Jeez. How f- is Tom?
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's an arrested development five out of five. I think Tom is all the way f- here.
0: No, that's... You're never getting laid playing Mr. Wendell at the end of the date. Oh, I get it. Like, the, literally. The freshman works every time.
1: I took the f- out of context I you all went right. he's yeah literally <laughs> I went with the figuratively <laughs> ah yeah. all right it's a uh it's a one then
2: Verve pipe boy old 45 works every time it's a one <laughs> which is it, which is a great subplot of that entire episode that he's kind of the one who's who's handling it and delivering the news and um is somewhat of a, a hero in that moment and stays calm and joking on, like, one of my favorite parts of the episode before what happened is when he's like busting Greg's balls and said, I got like four Gregs here. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Four or the five Greg-lets, Greggies. Yeah. Yeah. The I got Greg here.
0: The uh, yeah. But then he, he realized, don't make me a word. I'm like a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Greg
2: is so great. <laughs> but then he realizes as he sees what's happening around him, both on the phone and with that executive team, that he is out. He
0: has lost his protector. So he, it is a one. It is uh, the vert pipe. It's a one for sure. And I think you see it like as Shiv and Tom are leaving at the end of the episode, you see him in the car and Tom is looking at her and she's just looking straight forward. She's not looking at him at all. Uh, and I think she knows, man. I think she knows this dude is done. I don't think she minds being the one who puts him out of his misery, so to speak. HBO has a long history and is no slouch when it comes to impactful deaths of characters on its shows, rank one through four, the most impactful deaths. Here are the options. And you can add, if you want most impactful game of Thrones, Ned Stark, the wire stringer bell sopranos. I couldn't decide. So pick one. Uh, It's either Christopher or big pussy. And the last one, succession logan roy one to four one being most impactful four being least impactful how would you rank those it's a tough scale take
1: a no <laughs> i need like a, I need like a scratch pad to figure this out. <laughs> so here here's what i'm going to do i'm going to put myself in the moment when i watched all of those things happen in real time except for stringer bell because i still haven't watched the wire which is awful so oh I, shit I, I'll put yeah. that one at four, but it's, a, it's all right. I'll put that one. So by default, that's four for me, which might not be accurate, but in the moment I'm going to put Ned Stark at one because that happened so early in season one of game of Thrones, where this guy was a main character for sure. And and everything was kind of the, the whole battle that, and you just didn't see that coming when it happened. You got that feeling like, Oh shit. Like, all right, so this is what they're doing. This is going to be a show so that was impactful in that moment. Then the Sopranos, I'm going to put the big pussy above Christopher because you kind of saw the Christopher thing coming a little bit. Uh, not that you didn't see big pussy. I mean, they told you, I mean, they, they showed you what he was doing. Right. But you couldn't believe it. Like, God, you gotta be kidding me. Like you're in the inner circle and you're wearing a wire spoiler alert. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> from 25 years ago. But uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm going to say Stark, pussy, Christopher, stringer Bell. But only because
0: where's Logan on that list?
1: Oh shit. Um, <laughs> this is why I need the scratch pad. Uh Logan, uh, man, you know what? They've been they've been teasing his death from the very first episode of season one. He had a stroke, right? Like, wasn't it that the first episode or second yep. episode? Yep. So I, I'm not gonna say I'm not that it's not impactful. It is so to answer your question, it is certainly impactful. But where this is going i'll put that at a three so somewhere between the two sopranos chuck you've had some time
0: now
2: to know, do yeah. your math Did you write that down. shit down that I, I wrote hard. down Man. with my Woo. left hand so i might not be able to read it uh, i'm gonna put ned stark at four only because seeing the full body of that series it set the tone that hey if i really like this character they're going to they're die. die so that, that that set the tone for it i'll put stringer bell at three I'm putting Logan at two only. I, I, I got to like reserve the right here because the show's called succession. This man dies. You have no idea what his wishes are for the succession line. That's why I want to see what these next seven episodes will entail there. And, and one for me is big pussy because it was, it was, I don't know if it was shocking because it, it you you've seen enough mob movies in your life to know that's what has to happen. But the fact that like this was his best friend um, and that you can see the characters, all of those three who were on that boat, just have to go to a very different place and disconnect from themselves to be able to do what they had to do. Uh, So that's why that one was maybe the most shocking. But I, I think depending on how this season ends, Logan might be number one, only because it's the biggest swerve in recent memory. Like you're saying, they foreshadowed this forever. Two episodes ago, when he leaves his birthday party, he talks about with his, like, my pal, what do you think the end is? I don't think there's anything. And then he has this rejuvenation and re and he's full of life, and then, nope, he's going to die off camera. Uh, so I'm interested to see, only because a man who plots and plans so well really had no plan for what would happen
0: after he was gone. Well, this is getting, this is going, like, all over the place. So I would say, uh, number four, for me is probably stringer bell which is saying something because the wire is like my favorite show when stringer went it was kind of the end of the line for that crew and they were kind of on their way out i think christopher would be three just because y- you you never thought tony would actually do it christopher had done so many things wrong that could have gotten them killed but you thought like tony loved them and you finally get to see that you know business had no bounds with tony I think Roy is Logan. Roy is too. Uh, Ned Stark is still like the biggest like shocker to me. Uh, the one I, like like you're saying, it set the tone for the whole series. That that all of a sudden the main character gets killed, and you're like, shit, what's going to happen next? Uh, so I still think that's the most impactful death on HBO shows. But we could do another whole episode talking about how good HBO shows are, like we did in episode 64. <laughs> Who took Logan's death the hardest? Was it one of the kids? Was it his assistant slash girlfriend, Carrie? <laughs> uh, was, it, was it Carl? Or was it Logan's bodyguard? All good
2: options. I'm going to fill it right here. Well, they're all good options. Uh, I think the, the girlfriend, only because she was, she now becomes so in, insignificant to the series where you thought she was going to be a big player um unless she's knocked up which would be which would be great uh which would be great towards like the last seventh or eighth episode for for that to happen but it was brilliant too i did did uh, who's the guy who said it's like she caught a foul ball at a at a baseball game like like, brilliant uh so yeah i'm I'm gonna go with her she took i think think she took it the worst Uh, and hopefully that means the end of her because her arc should be done at this point I think it was definitely Carrie. She lost her shit
1: and they, they even moved her to like a back room in the plane. Like we yeah. need to get you like come back here. You're not well. We need to we need to exclude you from this conversation. So uh and, and deservedly so. I mean, her entire life was hitched to Logan Roy, right? So she took it the worst. She kind of had a bit of a psychotic break and much like her newsreel, she started smiling at times where she shouldn't.
0: I'm not sure if there's anybody who is going to lose power because of Logan's death that I'm going to enjoy losing it more than Carrie. Yeah. I really thought yeah. like she needed to go. So that's good. But I think it's the bodyguard. Didn't you see him <laughs> like he's walking around the car, he had no idea what to do, he was just kind of despondent like looking around that poor bodyguard it was like his, his whole life purpose was gone now that Logan was was dead. All right, let's look back to episode 116. Which was only a few weeks ago. This is when we previewed the season, and I asked you guys who you thought would be running Waystar Royko at the end. Do you remember what you said?
2: I, I do. I said yeah. Logan. And I I, I said Matson.
0: <laughs> Phil said, well, no, Phil, you said Matson, unless Logan Roy dies. Mm. So, oh, oh. <laughs> all right. I had a qualifier. Nice. Good <laughs> yeah. for me. Chuck, you said Logan, Logan or his brother. Oh yeah, You said his oh, brother yeah. was a dark horse for it. I said it was Roman. Do you want to change your answers, Chuck? I'll start with you. You said <laughs> well,
2: Logan. I mean, <laughs> maybe I was taking, I was throwing the dart that his brother. I was trying to be interesting because I don't know if you even see him again. Maybe if there's a funeral, which was a great line when they said they can do the
0: Reagan, but oh yeah, with it, a couple like, of yeah. tweaks, yeah, yeah, a great yeah, line, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I I I want to, but I I don't know because that was the, the second half or the the last third of that episode was so great because you saw everyone started to position themselves yep. the executive team wanted to be mentioned by name and Shiv completely denied them of that uh, even though they don't know their place in the the company the kids are are united at least until somebody hears a voicemail that Roman may have left uh when he got on the boat this is why i like this show so i have i have no idea who's going to end up at the helm but I don't think Give it's it a somebody, shot.
0: Come on. Uh, Come on. No. Um, it'll, it'll, we can look back and change the three weeks. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter.
2: Um, gosh, Kendall, Does that sound right. Am I right there? Is that who it is? It could be. Yeah. Could be. I'm, I'm going to go with him.
1: So because I said, in, unless Logan dies, I'm still in it to win it. Right. Like, like yeah. I did, I didn't, yeah. I didn't say once he dies, who takes over. So, um, I don't know, Ger, I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards your camp. And I, I, I feel Roman right now. The only thing that gives me pause with that is there's seven flipping episodes to go in this season. And right now, if I'm feeling Roman, that's probably not the way this is going to go. But if I had to ch- change, I, I, it's not Matson, Like I said, flippantly that, that episode, but I'll, I'll lean Roman, but mm, I don't know seven episodes, a lot.
0: So I'm not going to change my answer but i was wondering when i watched it the second time if there was some foreshadowing because when shiv goes out to give the statement to the media the shot is so from of her from behind is so similar to all the shots of logan like sitting at his desk when he's shot from behind there's people in front of him or sitting at like the boardroom table or something like that i'm wondering if like oh man is that like is that meant to foreshadow that shiv is going to be the one That takes over, but I'm sticking with Roman. I I feel like he's actually found a conscience somewhere in all this shit. So, all right, let's try to get things off a little bit better mood. That's enough succession. That was awesome. Again, looking forward to the next episode. We got to talk a little Ted Lasso. We are five episodes in to keep up with succession. Shouldn't they kill Ted? (laughs) Ted's likable. So probably not. (laughs) What did you think of episode five? It's
2: rough to shift gears because I watched Succession before I watched Ted Lasso, and it's a nice palate cleanser. You go, okay, and I can judge them very differently. I don't know if I love where this season is. I did love what Roy did about how to deal with a bully. like That is probably a top five moment in the series for me where I couldn't stop laughing or Higgins talking about his father telling him about all the ways he pleasures his mother like like that (laughs) like there were there were some great moments in there but you know like you're seeing I I don't know if I need the Keeley lesbian arc I don't know if I need Zava leaving or possibly like it's a it's a mixed bag and there were some really great moments like with with the kid realizing that he's a bully and, and 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 being wrapped up in a bow but but ultimately I still love it like it's hard to compare it to what it's done previously, because if this is truly the last season, let's let's get moving, man. Like there should be some there should be some better things happening than, than what I think they are right now.
1: I like the episode. The Roy Kent, How to Deal with the Bully. Sign me up for that newsletter. That was fantastic. That, that I love that part of the episode. I, I like the episode for things like that, things like some of Higgins' one-liners and and things like Ted Lasso talking to his ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife and and the the, like the realization that listen you know what and I this hits home for me obviously but the realization that listen you know we're going to raise this kid together and we're going to share grandkids like that 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 really that's a heavy thing to think about right like we're going to go our separate ways but we're going to be entangled for the rest of our lives kind of thing yeah so I, I did like the episode for that, but I agree with Chuck. Like, I feel like I feel like the way these episodes are going, there can't this can't be the last season. It's like they're yeah. they're stretching things out too much. Like if we're not if we're adding more things, like you know, lambs shitting on boardroom tables and it leading to <laughs> lesbian love affairs, like I, that's great, but it's just more layers than that. I don't know how this is the last season. Uh, so I, I thought the episode was fine. I am finding that it's weird to watch Succession and Ted Lasso back to back.
2: Yeah, yeah. Can't I do want that.
1: It to be a, I, <laughs> yeah. I want it. Well, no, a, couple not, a couple in days. Need a couple days. night, buffers. but even in the, even in the same week. Like I want it to be a palate cleanser, but I don't think it's doing its job. It, it's <laughs> not doing its job.
0: I give it like a B minus. I don't know. There were some funny moments in the show, but I kind of agree. Like there's just too much going on. Keep it simple, guys. You, you don't need it. We don't need Zava. We don't need all the other stuff that's going on. I am excited to see that like the Roy and Jamie friendship is continuing to grow. And like Jamie's going to step up into that leadership role. And uh, eventually we're going to get to them beating, you know, West Ham and Nate coming back. So I don't know what's going to happen, but um, it was all right. Anyway, fellas, we're out of time. I'm out of questions for now. And we just did almost the whole show without mentioning that Jimmy Haslam's purchase of a stake in the Milwaukee Bucks was approved. And we did the whole show without mentioning that Trevor Bauer pitched his first game in Japan this week. Oh, with that news finally about some wins for the good guys. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon.
1: In the immortal words of Logan Roy, (laughs) and absolutely, absolutely. The good guys, Jesus.
0: The Haslams bought them so that that Bill's transaction happened in 14. I think the Haslams bought the Browns in like 12 or something like that mm-hmm. and, and and paid like a billion. Yeah. So, I mean, now that maybe in in less than 10 years, it's worth six times five to six what times what they paid times. for yeah. it. Yeah. And,
2: and it's and only going up, they right? suck, too. And they suck to. too. Yeah, they My suck God. worse. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they might suck worse. <laughs> yeah, they definitely suck worse. <laughs> I was trying what did to think say the of commanders
1: what... were two and six in the playoffs. That's true.
0: Yeah, two and six. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of yeah. games. Yeah. How'd you get to eight of those?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no.
0: I was trying to think of it. I just couldn't do it. I was trying to think of examples of like, wh- what's another job or industry that you could be in where what you produce for your customer is so shitty <laughs> but but you, you your value grows exponentially for a 20-year period you know oh, like what God. what i thought maybe like like politicians can be pretty shitty and still make like a lot of money they just gotta sell yeah. their souls to the right people um i don't know i couldn't think of anything else but that was yeah. my take on Dan Snyder. Like, my God, you, you, you've been so bad for so long. Um, so your
2: your question was, what other industry can you be that bad at and still be you, your market cap still grows yeah. over time,
0: or job or something?
2: Maybe certain production houses, like film, like films haven't been that great over the last ten years, but I'm sure.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Like you could, yeah. you could have like a yeah, you could
2: you have make like a, a, bunch golden, a, golden, make a bunch of that shitty movies make money. money. Yeah. yeah, right. Like yeah. like yeah. Adam Sandler movies on Netflix. Yeah, that's
1: what I mean. Like <laughs> yeah. Let's say you yeah. can have like one golden yeah. calf, and you're you're yeah. good to
2: go for a while.
0: Yeah, that's. Yeah. I appreciate
1: neither one of you bringing up the John Wick series. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, <laughs> wait to see that movie.
2: I just need a good three and a half hours. <clears throat>
0: yeah. What? What else can you do and be so shitty? Right. And still make all that money, man. Like, there's nothing. It's like the the laws of economics no yeah. longer apply yeah. to the NFL.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: I'm I'm even thinking like of illegal things. You can't be that shitty in like drug running. Yeah, you can't be. No, right? you know what I mean. Like, you can't be that shitty yeah. in illegal things and make that much.
0: Yeah. Money. God, I don't know, man. Like, we could never use this, but like, if you're a hooker and you're really bad at giving. A- are you still? You're still gonna, you know. Yeah. Someone's still gonna yep. pay for it. Yep. You might not be given like the good like seventy five bucks. You might just be doing <laughs> twenty five little. But can, you keep,
1: little can you keep charging more? I mean, don't you don't you think like word gets around, right? Like.
0: Oh god. You know, like, well, yeah. What I'm saying is, I think there's a market probably in the twenty five dollars range <laughs> where she's just where you're gonna make so, all your money.
1: That's what I mean. Like, you can't you can't
0: quintuple your your rates.
1: Like the, like the NFL
0: has. Right. You've got to go for a quantity. You've got to, <laughs> you got to play more than a 16 game season. Oh, boy. <laughs> ah,
1: wow.
2: So much like mean <laughs> betrayal <laughs> and double crossing and selfish. And no compassion and bullying and swearing and super entitled behavior and as an audience member like we've talked about how like they're all terrible people you can't root for any of them and logan's death made you care about all those characters again that's why i thought yeah. that episode yeah. was yeah. so yeah. brilliant like that's a good point. they're all scum yeah. they stink and then he died and you start to feel what they're feeling i'm like that's yeah. why this show is yeah. brilliant that's why so
0: people man that's yeah. yeah. right yeah people yeah. with a dad yeah, yeah. even if yeah. it's fucked up man it's yeah. still that's, That's why I like
2: like how it ended with that shot of Kendall almost smiling when he they yeah. saw him removing the body. Like I was like, all right, like he's. That's why I think maybe was, he straightens it out and and figures it all out. But I don't know.
0: It was really like that. The ending was so good when it was just focused on him. Yeah. And like, do you notice like the weird way the music was playing in the background yeah. during that yeah. little shot? I'm like, God, yeah. this is so strange. I just. I think there's something to the fact that the three of them like hugged together outside of like the airport terminal. And then they all went their separate ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that's, I, I think there are zero odds of the three of these, these three people no sticking together yeah. through the end of this yeah. and like, you know, sure. running it together along with McDonald's Japan. Um, <laughs> I don't see it. Yeah.
1: Happening. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, right. If, they, if, if that was going to happen, they would have done this in episode eight. The fact that he did it in episode three, like yeah. so much shit yeah. is going to happen for the next seven episodes. Uh, I, I was I trying to thinking, find
0: like a, a comparison again of yeah, like this, this is like killing Tony Soprano in episode right? three of the final season of Soprano. Yeah, that's right. right? Exactly.
1: Like, exactly right. That's exactly what I kept coming back to. Like what, what would this be like?
2: like we continue to compare like has there ever been a show whether it's three four 12 seasons where they reset everything three episodes into the last season knowing you still have over half the way to go right yeah they reset every storyline changes immediately that's why i think it's just it's unlike and i'm not being like dramatic it's unlike anything we've ever seen in drama for what they did right there and just like they reset; it's a whole new series at this point, yeah.
0: basically. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 It's it's yeah. so good, so good.
0: What which which makes itself?
1: it harder. It makes it harder to watch this season of Lasso, thinking it might be the last. I'm like, yeah. it's not. It's not that great,
0: you know. Like, yeah. But that is far more typical, right? That yeah, you, absolutely. You lose yeah. your fastball a little bit trying to yeah, trying to figure out how to end it. You know, how many shows just can't quite figure out how to end? This show is an example. <laughs> Let's beat the clock. As we, put, <laughs> we, as we push towards Let's do it. midnight, Let's do it. this we're show is it. an example of a show that just can't quite figure out how Should to Should we end. do it?
1: Should we just end it right now? Two <laughs> yes. weeks in a row before Let's midnight, and we're taking next God. week off?
0: Oh. oh, that's right. I meant to say that at the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're traveling. So we leave Monday yeah. morning. I just feel like I need a break. Yeah, it's all right. I need it. a break. So
1: take a break, man. To- Yeah. When we come back, when we come back, we could talk about the Cavs playing the Heat in the second series of the NBA.
0: True. <laughs> yeah. That's true. By yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that I realized was like um um I'm going to miss the Cavs game on Friday night mm-hmm. because I'm playing in a uh, a once a month Euchre league now in What's town a- at the American Legion. Yeah, of nice. a bitch. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, Sunday's game will be in Chicago because we're flying out of Chicago, so we're going there a day early, and then whatever else they play in that week, I gotta find on fucking Dominican TV. <laughs> Hopefully, Baby. they have it. <laughs> see, <laughs> see,
1: see if the app that will remain nameless works. Yeah, not work in the Middle East. I tried. <laughs>
0: All right, it's still 11.58. We're still two minutes shy. Right on. All right, good episode, fellas. I was looking forward to this one all day. Yeah. Good times. All right. All right, brothers. Good good night. night. guys. All right, good night.
1: What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown here to museum. you.